Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Roots Podcast. I am your host, Sean Pitcher. We have on Carl Bomberday, a.k.a. the Hydro King. Um, actually, he's the Director of Performance Nutrition at the Arizona Coyotes. I thought I'd throw that in there. We were joking about that earlier before we popped on. Uh, but, Carl, welcome. Welcome, Sean. Or right, thanks for having me today, Sean. I appreciate it. All right, so I want to start out with, what is your roots, Carl? Yeah, so I'm going to try to do this uh, as sure as I can, but I'm originally from Quebec, Canada. So yeah, if I if you hear a little French accent, um, that's where I'm originally from. Um, but yeah, so I grew up playing hockey. Um, obviously, uh, if you're familiar with the sport, you get to play a different level. Uh, I got lucky enough to go and play college hockey in Wisconsin at a Division three institution. And then um, from that standpoint, after that, I did my master's degree at the University of Utah uh and uh this was the cmp in sports nutrition and then after that yeah i went on and was able to work with different uh teams different colleges uh different sports uh but yeah so I grew up in a small town and then yeah i never thought I'd, I'd i'd be able to make it to the nhl as a player but i made it as a staff so that's that's a win in itself do you think being able to speak french has been a huge benefit for you with mo a lot of athletes out <laughs> coming from canada down to the nhl yeah, for sure. So actually, um, obviously with hockey, I think tons of, of kids coming out from uh, Quebec to play the sport, uh, whether it's yeah, at the collegiate level or at the pro level. Um, yeah, I've always – we have a couple of coaches here too that do speak French, so maybe that's why they picked me out of the <laughs> the, the people I interviewed for the, the job here. But uh, yeah, like hockey obviously is a big one. Even when I was at Texas Tech, we had a couple of people, uh, players and staff that spoke French uh, from France. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's tremendous. It's a tremendous asset if you can speak another language, um, just to be able to connect with, with with players and staff for sure. And what has it been like coming almost kind of full circle here, right? Canada is the cornerstone of hockey. You played hockey. You grew up in a country where that's, you know, probably one of the most in sports there. And then now you're a dietitian for an actual yeah. professional team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not a day that I, I, that goes by that I don't pitch myself. So like, well, I'm pretty fortunate to be in that spot. And uh, funny enough, my first year here, uh, there's actually guys I played against growing up. Uh, <laughs> so I was just joking with them. I was like, yeah, you're, you're probably a little bit better than I was uh, when we played against each other. But uh, no, it's awesome. Obviously, it, it helps a ton with uh, the credibility. Obviously, if you, if you know your nutrition knowledge and you know your stuff, like obviously guys will respect that. Um, but on top of that, I think the main thing is like, Hockey is really different where like, it's not like, you know, football where you go from high school to college to pro there's tons of different paths that players can take to get here and being familiar with what they're going through, whether it's like being hosted by billet family, being away from family, being on the road for long road trips, uh, being able to know the difficulties of like sourcing food when they're away and all those challenges that comes with uh with playing hockey at the lower uh level um you know i hear it quite a bit where it's like hey this guy gets it um and it's cool too because i've been i've been used to different capacities here where like sometimes i am on the ice with the guys for testing or whatnot so them seeing that i, I think helps a ton yeah I, I always talk about when you're in their environment or have the opportunity to be whether it's practice lifts competition locker room 
there becomes a lot more trust in you because you're around, they know you're going to be there, you know, they're going to be available and you can answer obviously questions in those real life situations. Plus having the background that you have and being where you're from, you have the relatability option there too. You know, someone that like me comes in, like, let's say I have a football background. I'm coming into a hockey situation. Like I don't know a lot about hockey. So <laughs> probably take a lot more, more work on my end to try to build the credibility and relationship and trust with those guys. Cause I can't essentially, speak their language i mean i would ask a lot of questions to try to figure it out but to be able to connect as quickly i'm sure as you were able to do i'm sure was a huge benefit once you got there yeah for sure like you know the and just you know just being around the guys and being in a locker room in the past with a sport that i played yeah like again it's huge you know when the coaches are going to come in for their speech like all the all the little things that are like the intangibles of the sport that you you kind of figure out fairly fast because i've been in it before um yeah that's that's been a huge asset before uh yeah and since i've been here so no it's it's uh like i said it's a blessing for me i'm able to do um you know again, full circle with the sports I grew up playing. And then, you know, again, I, I watched the sport growing up. I'm still a fan, quote unquote. Um, and it's the same thing with the coaches, right? Like when the coaches come to you and ask you for questions about nutrition or like an optimal body weight or body composition, um, it helps them to be like, yeah, like he knows the sport. It's not like it's a random dude just saying, oh yeah, like from the book, this should be what this player is looking like. Um, and obviously a lot of the things are performance driven. So I'm also able to assess like, Hey, this guy's playing to the highest of his abilities, or maybe he's not, you know, he's not really, like you said, if I'm in the weight room and he doesn't look great then I can be on him be like, Hey, listen, dude, like what's going on. Do you have breakfast this morning? Then it's a lot easier to start those conversations. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, path to hockey. So is it kind of like, almost seems like with the NBA, like everyone in high school is trying to make it to the pros and then, you know, they don't have a chance to make it to the pros and okay, I guess I'll just go to college and then maybe within a year or two, hopefully I'll get the chance and then to get that opportunity. Is that what it looks like? Or, I mean, you said there's multiple ways too. And I know there's all these yeah. countries that obviously play hockey as well. And I'm sure the paths can be, can differ from places. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's similar and different in a way. And, you know, let's say we, we take basketball as a comparison because it's more of a little bit of your sphere. But, you know, basketball is only two rounds for draft. We got we got seven. So there's a little bit more players that are getting drafted. Um, but it's no different than basketball. There's like there's different league in the, leagues in the world. Right. So for you guys this year, basketball, you know, kids from France. Right. Does that look different than a kid that's playing college in the U.S.? Right. So it's no different for hockey. And. The guys are getting drafted fairly young. So normally a guy will get drafted at 18 and hockey is a young, young man. Like it's a young guy's sport. So like a lot of the very good player can come in the league and do very, very well right away. And they're, you know, that their potential is, is that. Um, so I would say, yeah, the, they can play juniors. That's the main one. Uh, juniors is, uh, you know, it's called the Canadian Hockey League, which will also have team and a, a couple of teams in the U.S. as well. But that's normally the path that most players will take, um, especially more of the North American guys. Um, you also see more and more players go the NCAA route, so playing Division One hockey at the collegiate level. And then we got some guys um, that are from Europe that will play pro leagues in Europe, um, whether it's 
you know, Russia, Slovakia, Sweden, uh, Czechoslovakia, like you, you name it, they'll, they'll have different leagues to play in. Um, but yeah, so all, all from a nutrition standpoint, all those leagues will have different challenges. So mm -hmm. like, you know, talking about connecting with somebody that speaks French, if a kid just speaks Russian, then obviously that makes your life a little bit easier, a little bit harder too, right? So those are all challenges as a as a practitioner. You you're trying to work your way around and make sure that uh, every guy can kind of know um, what to eat and when, and just do a good job of like being able to install some of those basic nutrition knowledge at the at the you know their earliest ages as soon as they come in your organization. I'm sure dealing with cultural cuisines is probably a big challenge when you have all those people from different countries and they're used to eating in a certain environment, certain types of food. And now it's like, you come to the U S and it's like, how do I serve and provide them stuff that's similar, but then I have to obviously feed the entirety of the team. Is that something yeah. you do on a regular basis? Yeah, no, honestly, it's, uh, I mean, everybody loves burgers and tacos so sometimes that's the easiest way to go about it uh but no i'm very fortunate here i got an unbelievable staff that i i get to work with on on a daily basis we have a team chef here that's that's great and him and i uh he's an artist so, so a lot of time i'll just let him do whatever he he feels like uh like it's the right move uh but no we we do try to talk to the guys and say like you know a lot of euros uh, if you look at like Russia and Sweden, they'll like soups. So we have some time to try to make more soups. Uh, obviously here in Arizona, it's not super cold <laughs> at any time of the year, but. Um, hey, gazpacho. We'll make them. Yeah, gazpacho. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's ways to be creative. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's cool to get some, uh, some of these guys' feedback and like, you know, see the patterns and, and the guys that are from, you know, the, you know, Sweden, nor like Norway, Switzerland, like all these guys will lead a little bit differently. Um, most of the time, they're not super picky either, so that helps us a ton. So whatever we put, um, normally they'll be fine with it. And to be quite frank, again, um, we're fortunate here that when guys come to us, a lot of time it's it's almost a better setting than one they've got in the past. So we're a little bit ahead of the curve um, on that nutrition side of things. So. It's, it's a blessing that um, we got support from management to be able to provide our guys with, with whatever they need. Yeah, I can just see them being thankful, especially if you come from a country that doesn't have very much. And, you know, you're just kind of getting from meal to meal. Then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, look look at all these resources and the, the amount of food that I can have opportunities to get whenever I want, probably from day to day makes yeah. a huge difference. Um, yeah, for sure. Could you talk about how is fueling a hockey player different from fueling maybe other major sports like NFL, MLB, MLS? Yeah. I mean, when you look at, you know, the physiology of the sport and, uh, you know, the demands of the sport, I would always compare it a little bit to basketball or soccer. It's a high intensity sport, right? It's like short versus speeds. Uh, spread with a couple of, you know, gliding sessions and the same quote unquote shift for our guys. Um, so if you look at how much they burn, like honestly, on average, most of these guys will burn over a thousand calories per game and practice. Um, so yeah, they burn a ton of calories and that's without including their workouts. So 
some of our players that play a ton of minutes, obviously, like it's trying to it's trying to get them as much gallery as we can, especially, you know, for us, um, 85% of our games are always, you know, 7 p.m. start. Um, so that looks different too from a fueling standpoint, right? Especially, you know, when you're traveling on top of that. So sometimes, you know, some of these guys, especially the older guys, will get their, their pregame meal around 12, 31-ish. Oh, and they'll early. snack a little bit before the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, that's a big difference between like our younger guys versus our vets. Vets tend to eat a lot more like beforehand and then snack um, a little bit closer to game time. Um, but then, then after that, yeah, the game's normally done at 9.30. So by the time they're done with their post-game lift and all that, like they don't eat until like 10, 10, 15. So it's a, it's a late night meal for them before you go to bed. And obviously in season, you just try to optimize that. But from uh, from a demand perspective, yeah, these, these guys burn the ton of calories and it's a 82 game season. So obviously it's a long season as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I would, I wouldn't say there's too much difference from a fueling strategy. If you were compared to something like soccer or, you know, lacrosse, those are kind of like the two sports I, I kind of have in mind when I compare it to other sports. Um, but yeah, that's just a little bit of an overview of, of fueling a hockey player. Yeah. I would assume probably like football, like all that extra gear definitely plays a big factor probably into that. I mean, yeah, you know, I think what people don't also understand, you know, even though it's cold and you're on the ice with all that, extra, <laughs> you're still sweating pretty profusely. Yeah. Cause you, I, don't honestly, it's of, all... you don't have a lot of surface yeah. too. It looks like for heat to really yeah. your body cause everything's covered. Yeah. Goalies, I've heard with goalies that lose anywhere between 10 to 12 pounds of practice or a game. Uh, like you said, heavy, heavy gear. It's not as bad as what it used to be in the day. Now the, the equipment is fairly light, but uh, yeah, they, there's a uh, there's a high need from that perspective. And you know what? I always say sometimes working with sports in cold climates, it seems it's almost worse because our the athletes don't realize they actually need to like it's not hot outside, so they don't realize like that they're sweating. Yeah, you don't feel like they um, Yeah, exactly. So. A lot of time I got to enforce the hydration during practices because sometimes guys are just like, man, whatever. So that is a big, that would be one of the difference for sure compared to maybe a sport that's outdoor um, with, yeah, being exposed to the sun or whatever. Do you guys like football? I know football sometimes when it's cold, I'll do like hot chocolate or like bone broth. <laughs> Since it's cold in your environment, is that something you guys do or tried or? No, not really. Because a lot of the, a lot of the ranks will play at, most of the the rinks were like <laughs> it's surprisingly hot in a lot of like especially the bigger rinks like when we play at uh well it's crypto arena now but in la the rink is super hot so sometimes a lot of guys the opposite way they're just like man this is like you're off me <laughs> like, yeah they take, they take their gear off in between periods and they just like walk around they're just in their literally just their their gear or underwear but um no i we don't we won't really do that again because a lot of the things are climate control uh, obviously we'll do like, you know, uh, the electrolytes and all that, all that stuff, but we won't really do anything like hot per se. Uh, sometimes our backup goalie will ask for tea. That would be maybe the only, <laughs> only one that I can think of. And it's like something hot, but besides that, yeah, we'll do like tons of fruits and snacks and just your regular stuff that you'll yeah. do with other sports really. And uh, one thing I picked up there, you guys mentioned that you guys lift after your games um with with how many games you guys have again 
relating back to almost kind of like basketball again. And I know you also have a strength and conditioning background. Do you guys essentially have to like microdose your lifts where it's like a 30 to 45 minute lift just so that way you're getting the frequency and and what the players need, but it's also not enough where it's going to crush them because obviously they have got to turn around and let's say, I don't know, a few days or travel somewhere else and play another game. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great assessment. And like I said, I'm very fortunate to hear that, uh, you know, my boss here, Devin uh, McConnell has been since day one, uh, very big in integrating me in the whole S and C side of things and making sure that I know what's going on and being able to speak the language of everybody that's in the, in the S and C department. Uh, but yeah, it's microdosing uh, lift right after games um, just so that basically our high days are high and our low days are low from a player management standpoint, a player load standpoint. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll have quote unquote, a, a blanket player load for traveling uh, things like that. So we can make sure that, yeah, we, we still touch on, you know, the strength, the speed, the flexibility, mobility, like all those three buckets throughout the season. Uh, yeah. Without crushing the guys. Cause yeah, especially it's, again, it's a long season. It's demanding. Sometimes there's back to back there's travel, there's time change. Um, yeah, we had some pretty brutal trips, uh, pretty brutal trips this year. And, uh, yeah, you want a guys to lift. And you won't get the chance. I remember, like, I think this year, the last two months, we didn't really have a day where we could actually just, like, lift. We barely practiced because we were, like, it's always, like, game, game. And we just selected with an off day to make mm -hmm. sure that the guys were fresh for the game. But, yeah, it's microdosing lifts after, yeah, whether it's only 30 minutes, you know, two, three sets of four, five exercises, just making sure they're, the guys do the right thing and take care of the body and get their lift in to keep their strength up over the season. Yeah, there's just so many stressors you can only really control. <laughs> so yes. yep. at, at that point, it's, it's like let's put as much effort into the recovery as we possibly can to yeah put you in a position to hopefully allow you to do what you need to do, you know, night in night out out in the ring. Yeah, for sure. So kind of going back to athletes, you know, we talked about a few different passions that you have. You know, before we jumped out mm -hmm. here, you know, what do you do personally to create? that relationship with your athletes that gets them to buy into the vision and, and process that you have from a nutrition standpoint? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I try to apply that anywhere I've been in the past. Um, you know, I, I always find that if you find what makes your athletes going, it, I try to really gear my first couple interaction with those players towards that. Um, if I always go and, just talk to them about nutrition right away and always, you know, ask, Hey, how much you weigh? Like, have you been eating? Like if I harp on that every single time, um, then they don't really see our relationship as, you know, Hey, this guy's there to help me out. It's more like, Oh yeah, he's just here to do his job. And he just needs, he just needs my weight. Right. He just needs my body fat. He just needs me to get on the next scan, even if I hate it. Right. Um, so being like, you know, like I said, the guys are getting younger and I'm getting older, but like all their young guys like music. So like talking to them about music, Hey, like talking to them about family, like, Hey, is your brother playing hockey? Is your, if your parents play hockey, they're like traveling. Okay. Like where have you been this past year? I, like, just little conversations with that, I think goes, uh, goes a long way. Um, and I, I try to implement that here with a lot of the guys. Like, like we have a lot of young kids coming in, in the last couple of weeks and uh 
I bought a pickleball net. So I set up a pickleball court downstairs in our weight room. And like, that's probably the best hundred bucks I invested because like they're athletes and it just gets so competitive. Yeah. And like, it's awesome. Sometimes, like sometimes we'll have a couple of coaches like myself and our, one of our assistants, like our assistant train coach jump in and play with the kids and just like, you know, get at, like we get after it and like the kids like that they enjoy that. And it's, it makes an nutrition conversation a lot easier afterwards. Um, just because they know like, Oh yeah, this dude's like, he's part of, he's part of my development. Like he's, he's not just there to do his job, but like he really is looking out for me. Right. Cause like we are hoping that the guys we have in right now are going to be here for five, six, seven years. Right. So it's a, it's a process. Like today, I, uh, they're all rooming together. I literally gave them a blender to take home. Cause like, I don't know what was in their kitchen. They're like, oh yeah, like you gave us all those recipes, but we don't have a blender. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, well, it's a blender, take it home. Then <laughs> you guys can do all your shakes at home. Um, but yeah, if, if I didn't ask, like I would have known, right? So um, yeah, those are just little examples of things I try. Like we toss the ball around. Like I brought a football for pregame at one time and then like guys just start, start tossing the baseball and the football. Um, just little things like that. Um, I think goes a long way to, to build that relationship, that trust with the players. Yeah. Those conversations allow you to then integrate some of the education yes. you want to get in. And, and nowadays these guys just don't want to be talked at as soon as they get through the door. <laughs> I think there's some definitely. of the approaches that you're, you've mentioned are definitely, you know, some of the things I've done, some of the things that people have been on this podcast are, are definitely seeing and starting to do as well. And you're not going to be able to get very far if they just see you as, you know, the lunch lady, the, the food, yes. you know, whatever, whatever names yes. we, we get as dietitians across the years. Um, and then that's all you're going to be titled as. And, and a lot of times yeah. if, if it's an, an important person on the team and that's what they voice to the rest of the players on the team, as you're that person, then it may make it that much harder for you to do your job or build relationships yeah. because not everyone's a leader. And, and sometimes when you have a lot of followers, <laughs> it can make it challenging because they're just going to follow the one or two guys as lead and majority yeah. of the doing. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I like that competitive approach. I do. I do like a rock, paper, scissors competition. So, you know, everyone's yeah, always, awesome. They're not thinking about it. They're just come up to you and like fist bumping you or like, yeah. like they're going to dap you, but like, oh, dap, that's paper. I'm going to scissor you or yeah. I'm going to paper your hand. Yeah. So the little stuff like that becomes a competition. You know, I'll do that with yeah. my coaches as well. I have one coach. <laughs> we keep a tally board and <laughs> whoever gets the most wins at the by Friday has to pick how many pushups you have to do. Nice. Then the person can, then they can pick when you do the pushups. That's awesome. So, oh, you're on, <laughs> you're on the court right now. Okay. Well, next week you have to do 50 push-ups. Let's say Tuesday rolls around. Hey, Sean, I want you to do 25 push-ups right now. Nice. <laughs> so it's a little bit, you really want to win because you don't know when they're going to make you do the push-ups. It could yeah. be interesting. So it just kind of hikes <laughs> that much higher. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a good one. Uh, you, you've also mentioned, you know, helping your organization, um, you know, that kind of resonates with me a little bit right now. My, my current position kind of my thought process there is I got to be able to help the, the company and the business. I got to be able to help the coaches and our performance staff. I have to be able to then hopefully help those two parts of the, the business to then help the athletes at the end of the day. So how do you help your organization to be able to show more value in what you do? Yeah. 
No, that's uh that's a that's I think uh, a very good question, and I think all of us in our fields try to make yourself as useful as you can, depending on on where you fall. And again, I I can't stress it enough. Like I'm very fortunate here that like I've been put in a situation to be, you know, asked to do a lot as well. And I'm the kind of person that like the more you ask me to do, the more I'll be willing to give back. Um, Cause if you just want me to do one little thing and put me in a box, I'm more likely just gonna, like, I'm not going to be as active to seek out this opportunity to, to help out. Um, but from, from many examples I could use, like I said, I've, I've been lucky enough to help out uh, on the sports science side for different things, whether it's like when we do the on ice testing for a guy during deaf camp or any sorts of camp, I'm one of the couple of members in our staff that can actually skate decently. So <laughs> That's very, like, I can demo stuff on the ice. Um, the other day, we had a, an in-service where we used a 1080, uh, and we used a 1080 on ice. Obviously, I was oh. a guinea pig for that one. Yeah, yeah. So that's another whole part that we can chat about. Uh, but that was one of them that I've done in the past. Um, the COVID year, my sports science director uh, had to be held back from a trip, and he's normally a guy that does a catapult. So I'll long story short, I was the one that did the couple for that trip. And uh, to this day, it's funny because, like, we we haven't really win a lot in the last couple of years, but this, the trip that he didn't make that I did the catapult, we actually had a really good road trip. So I keep, <laughs> I keep, I keep messing around with it. I was like, hey, man, like, you know, if you want us to keep winning, like, feel free to let me go on the trip. The catapult. Yeah, let me do the catapult. Well, speaking of which, I do, I do go on every trip. So I travel full time with the team. So in those instances where, like, again, if, if one of our staff members goes down for whatever reason, uh, which is the case right now, uh, we started lifting. We're a little bit short with, like, you know, staff going on vacation or staff going to conferences or things like that. Like, guys, my, our players know here that, like, I am also on the gym floor quite a bit. So if they need anything from the SNC side, um, they can all, like, I'm on the floor most of the days here now in the summertime. In winter, I could as well, but winter, I'm just more like I'm just busier in season. But um, I can interchange in the weight room if needed. Um, yeah, just from a hiring perspective, uh, I build an internship program here connected in the uh, in Arizona with you know NAU, ASU, all the other schools that have nutrition program to build an intern database. Um, besides that, I help with the culinary side of things. We just hired a part time sous chef not too long ago. Uh, so just going to the department itself, uh, keeping track of all the ordering. Uh, yeah, like you said, finances, projections, like how much are we going to spend this year? Um, should we go, you know, third party catering or should we go in house on some of these things? Um, helping out, you know, our president is kids needed a meal <laughs> plan. So guess who they went to? So there's a lot of situation that I've, uh, I've, I feel like I've been put in a situation where I was able to assist and um, knowing the bare minimum to do a decent job and, you know, in an NHL organization, which is, you know, top, top league in, in hockey. So, uh, but I've always been somebody that loved learning. So being able to learn all those, those things um, and being willing to go to my staff and like, Hey, if I'm ever in a situation that I have to do this, like, how would you want me to go about it? Uh, and that helps me to see from their lance, and how they see my position as well. Um, lastly, what I, like I've been building our weigh-in app here through Microsoft Power Apps, so it's just putting my IT uh, add-on for that one. So yeah, like 
yeah, broad spectrum of things. It seems definitely just amongst the amount of years and experience that you have, you've just you know developed a lot of these skills and tools that's made you very yes. diverse and you're able to be really flexible in whatever moment it is and having past experiences. Hey, I can just jump in and help. I, th- I think yep. a question I have there though is, you know, when is giving too much and then also like not giving so much where then, you know, what am I trying to say? Obviously, I don't want to say stay in your lane, but yeah, a lot of dietitians will give too much and then they kind of get burnt out from giving too much to too many people. So what is that fine yeah. line for you? Or how do you decide when to, hey, I'm going to help and, and yeah. provide, you know, help to these staff and support for these staff. But then the other part of it, like, I'm going to be able to provide only this much before I'm going to need to hire another dietitian, a fellow, a GA, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, and that, that's a great question because I used to be somebody that's like, nope, no, like I'll, I'll, I need to do this myself. I need to get this, like, I need to do all that, and uh, I'll figure it out. I'll figure the rest later. But what I've found is, like, you know, I've got, I'm really lucky that I, again, I was able to get a couple of interns uh, last fall, and then I got some right now, and some are going to continue in the spring as well and so on and so on. So I try to give them whoever comes in I uh, as an intern, I try to give them a really good experience. So that way they stay with us and they find a way to learn because what I'm trying to do now is anything that I feel that they're comfortable enough and they're knowledgeable enough to do, I kind of give that to them. I'm trying to put, even though I'm trying to work on the systems on a daily basis, I'm still trying to oversee and build that whole umbrella of, you know, performance nutrition as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more and more, like if I receive orders, I used to do it all by myself. Like, Nope, you guys got this. Like, I just, I'm a lot better at uh, delegating, being able to delegating. Yeah. Be able to delegate to people. And that allows me to be like, okay, this is the level of service we're at right now. This is the bare minimum we'll have to do moving forward. But if I keep the same staff on hand, I guess we should be able to manage moving forward, right? Um, it's no different. And sometimes my chef is slammed. Like a couple times I've helped him out in the kitchen, right? It's just like, all right, like tell me what to do. Like I'm here to assist. Um, so it's just trying to find those areas where like, okay, this is, is just really like, okay, this is a priority. Let's mm-hmm. focus on that. And then just like the rest is kind of like, we'll put that aside and take that take care of that later. So um yeah there, there is a fine line of like yeah how much you should give uh but i think as an organization you just need to figure out what should be prioritized um uh, whether it's the lift whether it's stuck in the bridges whether it's like working on um you know meals on the roads or whatever like hey, emergency you need to do a projection for finance and see how much we're going to spend this year so it's just yeah, trying to figure out the best way to go about it but I'm trying to share my knowledge as much as I can to my interns. So if there's anything that I'm like, oh yeah, like this could be handled by somebody else. And I'm just trying to have them do that. Do you try to give them a lot of the experiences that you deal with as a director? Just because I feel like, and you could probably attest to some of our, my internships, your internships, a lot of times you're just doing food service. And I think a lot of situations where you start going up through those roles and you don't have an idea of how to budget, how to communicate with, an athletic director or, you know, a, a CFO or an owner or yeah. a manager, wh- whatever those positions are. A lot of times you, you, 
I mean, I've had to fall back and ask other people, like, how do I approach this situation? Just because I've never been in it. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know what to do. So how do you approach that? Oh, yeah, I'm very real with them. And I throw them in the fire every single day. Even today, <laughs> you know, um, they were in the weight room. They, they were in the weight room with me today and yesterday. So I'm like, all right, this is how you do. Uh, so we use gym wear to mm-hmm. calculate bar speed. We do too. So I was like, okay. Hey, this is how you do it. So like I had a, one of my interns is actually more of a new side science background. The other one, she's just like a nutrition background. So I was like, I don't really care whether or not like you have the, like the previous knowledge for this, you just need to be able to run it. Then I can explain to you later on what is the meaning behind it. And you know, what's funny is like today we went and talk about, you know, the different components of, uh, of an exercise, whether it's a eccentric phase, concentric, isometric, so like it kind of all made sense to them today and it's i want them to get exposed to that as much as as they can because yeah there's some situations in the past that i'm like i wish i would have been through that and the times i was an intern but i never really got exposed to it so i'm trying as much as i can to like yeah have them present in front of coaches and players um have them uh yeah being in the weight room have them receive orders uh go in the grocery store and like do all the groceries and buy their own and like figuring out where to go uh, whenever they bring it back. If something is short on a order, how do they go about it? So yeah, I try to do my best to like expose them to as much as you can because my goal is for them to leave here and being able to literally like go somewhere and just crush it. If they go somewhere and they suck, it's like, that looks bad on me. So I'm just trying exactly. to put <laughs> them as much as they can. So wherever they go, they feel comfortable. Uh, doing doing just that and you know being able to run i always say you should be able to run the department even if i wasn't here so if one day i don't make it in you know you should know exactly how to go about the day yeah they're they're a branch of you once they leave that building (laughs) (laughs) whether that's good or bad yeah yeah i mean the last the last thing you want is you know you have a bunch of interns that go out and like they don't meet you know they're not up to snuff so that kind of gives you yourself the head a little bit more motivation to make sure they're fully prepared and oh you know, yeah for sure wherever they go like you said they're gonna crush it yeah. uh, la- last question i have before we kind of wrap up here you know i don't see a lot of rds in the nhl space so you know <laughs> how, how do we how do we work on getting more into hockey or you know do you guys have an nhl rd group that's progressing and working on trying to get more dietitians into the space to to help the players yeah, that's an excellent point. Actually, the uh, it's something we've been working on. The NHL yearly conference is actually uh, this weekend, and it's in Arizona this year. Um, but yeah, we actually we're working with PowerPoint here. But um, it, it is very interesting. NHL is typically behind everything always. <laughs> uh, it's even very M- old school. Even MLB. <laughs> oh man. Even MLB, MLB is a lot better, uh, especially now with like sports psychology and yeah. like perform, like mental performance. Like we're light years behind on this one over here. But uh, honestly, I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors. It's it, just to give you a little bit of background. I feel like in the NHL, a lot of the time um, they'll have the strength coaches just handle the nutrition. Um, Normally, SNC will do more of the supplementation and the weigh-ins and all that stuff, body composition. Operations will do meals on the road and all that. Um, and I think it falls back on 
the NHLRDs that are already already there to do a good job and like advocating for the profession, which is something we're going to do this weekend. Um, just saying like, hey, we're here, we're part of this, we're trying to grow the trying to grow the field, we're trying to grow the the presence in the NHL. Here's what we can do for our organization. So yeah, um, and I think that's important as an RD to be able to advocate for what you do and to grow the profession. So that's one that's one area that I think that needs to be done. But the second one is it's a little bit of what I'm doing right now with like, cause you know how it is in the sport world. Sometimes the hiring is very under the radar. It's very like who, you know, kind of thing. And I've been lucky where I do think that I was fit for this position. Like if I, <laughs> I checked a lot of boxes. Um, I was also lucky in a way that like I did have connections where like, Oh yeah, this dude play blah, blah. Like, Hey, yeah, I worked with him before. Uh, and my mentor, Lisa McDowell, or one of my mentor, um, she's been working for the Red Wings since 2010. So she's one of the oldest tenure RD, but she's a good example of somebody I've seen the growth literally over maybe the, like three to four years, where now we have more full-time RDs for, for teams. They're not splitting time between – we still have tons of RDs that are splitting time between um, NHL and NBA. We had a few of those. Um, some of them are part-time. Some of them are unpaid. Like, it's unbelievable the uh, spectrum that you have from uh, how the RDs are being used in the NHL. Um, but, yeah, so one side is the av- like advocacy, but the other side is like, okay, having interns here that have hockey experience, like, that's huge. Because hockey is not super popular at the collegiate level. It's not one of those sports that you can, like, really easily get experience and it's very much so a niche so for me that was another thing too that was important to me is like bringing those interns in getting them exposed to the sport like today we talked like the draft's about to happen so we talked a ton about the draft and i made them do some data um inputting for me it was just like yeah like the position of the player their birth year their height we're gonna get their weight when they come here but like just getting to know a little bit while everything works mm-hmm. that goes a long way and Again, me being comfortable saying to if a te- I know a team is going to hire, I can be like, oh, yeah, like this person's about to graduate or like, hey, they might be like a year remote, but like once they're done, like they'd be a very good candidate or like this person that had experience in the past, like be able to give the, the knowledge and uh, give back to the it, it could be older RDs too, like anybody that's willing to put uh themselves in a situation where they want to know more about the sport and yes it's 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 huge like don't close the doors like as rds we should be able to open them mm-hmm. and being willing to let people that are qualified in so it the, the the field grows a little bit more fantastic well zoom is about to cut me off and i have <laughs> a thousand more questions um that's all good that was a great ending to the podcast but <laughs> for having you on um i'm gonna put on his contact information if you want to get a hold of him email or his instagram uh but again carl really appreciate you i think this will be a good insight to people that are interested in the hockey realm that want to get into nutrition awesome well thanks for having me and yeah feel free to reach out if you guys need any anything from me so appreciate you